Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 205 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how are you doing? I'm good, Joe. Yourself? Very good, my friend. Very good. Right, let's dive straight into the review part. Quite a lot to go over here. We're going to start at the Caesars Palace in Dubai, United Arab Emirates. This was an MTK show in association with Round 10 Promotions. Ahmed Siddiqui, shout out to him. A couple of fighters on the undercard. Firstly, very good amateur, Abbas Barao, obviously the guy that beat Carlos Molina very controversially. He picked up a win, though. Uh, no, no controversy with this one. A second round TKO against Abdul Ghani Sabur, who was actually undefeated 8-0. I think he had eight knockouts as well. Um, he had one draw. But anyway, Abbas Barao gets the second round knockout, so he's now 7-0. Friend of the show, Andrew Selby, also moved to 12-1. It was a knockout for him in the very first round against a last-minute kind of uh, you know, opponent, he, he stepped in with a few days' notice. Warawachai Boonjan, who's now 14 and 23 with two draws. Obviously, no match for Selby. Uh, moving out now to the MSG Theatre in New York, USA. Let's start with the 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 main event, I think, actually. Let's start with that one. Um, yeah, Devin Haney, obviously, headlined the show. Now 23-0. and 0. It was for the interim WBC World Lightweight title. Um, friend of the show, Devin Haney, he took on Zor Abdullayev. Like I said on last week's show, um, you know, Abdullayev was a very good amateur. Um, I said it would probably be Devin Haney's toughest fight on paper. That seemed to bite me in the backside because it really wasn't there. It was all Haney, really, for the for the uh, you know for the for the four rounds that it went. Um, he wasn't necessarily hurting Abdullayev. I think he perhaps maybe uh, broke an orbital bone at some point with a shot. But other than that, you know, he he wasn't really kind of hurting him but it was one-sided if you know what I mean um, and Abdalaev at the end of the fourth round went back to his corner and he was shaking his head he was shaking his head and straight away whenever you see a boxer do that when they're going back to their corner you think you know what's going on here he doesn't seem comfortable what's that about you know uh, body language is very important especially in a fight and um, you know his corner actually pulled him out on his stool so he he retired on his stool there and I'm kind of wondering if it was him who who gave up you know because he was shaking his head like I say and maybe he quit there so uh, yeah interesting fight uh, it'd be interesting to see how Abdullayev comes back because like I say it was all Devin Haney and you know, ended up being one of his easiest fights probably there. Uh, also on the bill, we saw Michael Hunter now 18-1. and It was for the WBA Intercontinental Heavyweight title. I wrongly said on last week's show that Hunter um, was defending the belt, but the belt actually belonged to Sergei Kuzmin. It's no longer his, though. He lost his O also. He's now 15-1. and It was a unanimous decision over 12 rounds there in favor of Hunter. Uh, the first round, Hunter was dictating the realm of his jab. 
he was throwing effective shots upstairs and downstairs, and you know his jab was was really nice. Kuzmin was holding the center of the ring, but he wasn't really landing too much. Maybe one or two nice shots. Hunter Hunter managed to to, to win the first round and the second. Uh, the third round was a dominant round for Hunter. He landed some great shots. Kuzmin took them well, though. Credit to him. Fourth round, nice body shots from Hunter. He started to meet Kuzmin in the center of the ring once again. Kuzmin showed his toughness, and then in the fifth round, down went Kuzmin. And it was a left hook that got him uh, straight to the... Ch- well, it was a, it was a, uh, a left hook, like I say. So it wasn't straight, but um, straight on the chin is what I was going to say. Both men threw the left hook, and Hunter actually got there first. Um, Kuzmin went down. It was a great shot. And credit to him for getting up. He seemed to have a clear head nice and quickly. So, you know, once again, he's a tough guy. Uh, round six, Hunter around once again. Kuzmin was walking forward, applying pressure, but he wasn't really doing much. Uh, seventh round, another round for Hunter, and just to whiz through rather than going from rounds 8, 9, 10, 11 and 12, I actually had it a shutout in the end for Hunter. Um, one judge, I think, no, no, sorry, I'm wrong there, all three judges gave Kuzmin three rounds. They had identical scorecards across the board, and I've got no idea how Kuzmin managed to win three rounds, because for me, he didn't win anything. Um, so yeah, Kuzmin, you know, even though he lost the fight, he's still... He's still a he's still a tough game opponent. Um, so there are big fights for him down the line. Uh, you know, he didn't do much. He didn't show us too much. But he's a tough guy, and being a tough guy gets you quite a long way in the heavyweight division. We see a lot of tough guys in the sport uh, at that level. So be interesting to see. You know, there's all types of guys: Otto Wallin, Tom Schwartz. I'd like to see him in a little round robin with a couple of those guys there. Uh, moving down the undercard once again, we got to see Heather Hardy against Amanda Serrano over 10 two-minute rounds. Hardy was undefeated 22-0. and It was for the interim WBC World Female Featherweight title and the WBO World Female Featherweight title. Uh, Serrano now 37-1 and with one draw. She took the O away from Heather Hardy. Uh, it was an unbelievable first round for Amanda Serrano. I mean, the referee could have easily stopped it. Hardy wasn't answering back. She was taking dozens and dozens of clean shots on the ropes. And weirdly, the referee, what he did do is he stepped in to tell the fighters that the round had ended about half a second before the bell went, which was really weird. But um, credit to Hardy, though. You know, she got a grip on the fight as it went on, and she just showed a, an amazing heart. Um, but yeah, Amanda Serrano was just very, very impressive. Way, way too good, really, for Hardy. You know, the first round kind of showed that they were they were levels apart. And even though Serrano didn't dominate like that in any of the other rounds, she she you know she sweeped them up very easily. So um, yeah, pretty much a shutout kind of performance there for Serrano. What a fighter she is! A seven weight world champion, a real living legend in the female side of the sport. Also on the bill, a man that's looking to be a, a legend. Uh, I suppose he is for his amateur career anyway. Danny Aryulusinov, the Olympic gold medalist, now eight and zero. He actually did impress here. He got a first round knockout against the undefeated Reshard Hicks, who's now twelve and one with one draw. Uh, that is it, though, for the Madison Square Garden theatre card on the Friday night of last week. Ayaz, did you have anything to add on that card? Obviously, Michael Hunter picking up a win against Kuzmin, Devin Haney there. Uh, just talking about the Devin Haney, I think he's I think he's the one to watch out for and I think he's the upcoming star I think he's going to be and could be the face, face of boxing soon. Yeah, I believe you. I believe you. He is a guy that's calling on Lomachenko and I think he's only 20 years of age. There's no need 
I'm, I know boxing fans don't want to hear that, but there's no need to rush fights like that. Um, but he wants it, so you know who am I to to tell him he can't do it? Um, anyway, moving out now to Canada at the CAA Center in Brampton, Ontario. Heavyweight prospect. He was undefeated. Alexander Teslenko, sixteen and zero. He took on Sean Dell Winters, who um, was eleven and two on paper. Teslenko was supposed to beat Winters, but Winters managed to get the TKO in the fifth round, and he managed to claim there the NABA heavyweight title. So an upset win there in Canada. Unbelievable there. Uh, moving out now though to Germany at the Verti Music Hall. Uh, just one fight to mention over here. I like to mention whenever this guy is fighting, Firat Arslan picked up another knockout win, a third round knockout against Sami Enbom, who is now 18-5. and five. That is Firat Arslan's 47th win. He's got eight losses and three draws. He hasn't lost a fight for a long, long time. He's 49 in about a week's time, something like that, about a week or two. So um, it's just remarkable, really, that he's even still going. But he's still beating guys that are way younger than him. Uh, moving out now, though, to York Hall, Bethnal Green, London, United Kingdom. Let's start here with the Dex Spellman and Shakam Pitters fight. It was a brilliant fight, by the way. It was for the English light heavyweight title. Obviously, Spellman, 16-2 and two going in. Shakam Pitters, the, the ultimate boxer champion, 12-0 uh, and 0 going in. Very good fight. Very good fight. Um... You know, brilliant start to the fight from Spellman. He was catching Pitters time and time again with his left hook. It seemed to be there for him lots and lots of the time. Pitters had no answer for it, really. He was taking it clean. And straight away from that first round, it looked to me like the writing was on the wall for a knockout at some stage for Spellman. But, you know, Pitters came back into it in the mid-rounds and he was picking some beautiful shots himself. And he bloodied the nose of Spellman, I think, in about round three or four. And that seemed to be a slight turning point in the fight. Uh, you know, great action through the first half of the fight, like I say. Um, in round eight, that was arguably round of the year. It was just a brilliant, brilliant, unbelievable round. At the start of the round, Pitters seemed to hurt Spellman and have him in trouble. And he went in for the kill on Spellman. And then Spellman countered again with that same left hook, which which then staggered Pitters. Um, it was a massive shot. And then he followed it up with a peach of an uppercut right after. And from that point on... Peters came back and both guys traded. They both had their moments. It was just a brilliant, outstanding round. But yeah, Peters did go on to win the fight. Um, you know, a unanimous decision over 10 rounds. So he, I think he remains the champion. I think he was already champion before. But he's anyway, anyway, it doesn't really matter. He is the English light heavyweight champion currently. Um, obviously, he's probably looking at the British and stuff like that. You've got the likes of, um, of uh, Craig Richards. I think perhaps fighting for that one soon. But there's lots and lots of guys in that light heavyweight division. But um, Peters has got a bundle of potential. You know, he's a six foot six switch hitter and he's huge for the weight. I mean, his only problem is that his power isn't great. But he did show a few, you know, a few times in the fight that he really can punch. And um, he's got a brilliant jab and he can actually jab with both hands really nicely. So he's got a hell of a lot of potential. Um, his defense, I think, needs tightening up just a little bit. Um, but yeah, all in all, good performance from Pitters. Spellman showed a lot of heart. Credit to both men. Both men, I really take my hat off to. Uh, also on the bill, Sonny Edwards picked up a win. He's still undefeated, now 13-0. and It was for two vacant belts, the IBF International Flyweight title and the WBO Intercontinental Flyweight title. Edwards moved down in weight for this one. He took on Rosendo 
uh, Guarneros, who is now 16-3 and three with two draws, a unanimous decision over 10 rounds for Sonny Edwards, pretty much a shutout win, um, as expected really from Edwards, again, he's, he's a phenomenal fighter to watch, I know he doesn't really have that power, you know, his fights might not be exciting to people that don't study boxing hard kind of thing he's a bit of a hardcore kind of boxing fans fighter i suppose um you know the the iq is is excellent you know he's he's just a talent he really is his footwork his judge of distance is just second to none i i really like watching him fight um and yeah also on that bill zach Chelly lost his o against cody davies both men were undefeated somebody's o would go and like i say it was Chelly's. he's now seven and one cody davies nine and oh sorry ten and oh double figures now unanimous decision over 10 rounds very close fight on a couple of the cards if i'm not mistaken davies was on the deck himself in the second round from an uppercut um, he, he got caught square really and it was a right uppercut we know that Chelly can bang it ended up being a very messy fight though over the course of the rounds um, you know lots and lots of holding Cody Davies was a bit dirty to be honest I mean he, he just could not stop all night with a rabbit punch in he was saying things in Chelly's ear the referee didn't do a great job to get a hold of that you know Cody Cody was the man coming forward all night to be honest I felt like his, his aggression probably won him the fight and Chelly seemed to just voluntarily keep going backwards it it wasn't it wasn't great the momentum was certainly with Davies pretty much for all the second half of the fight I think fatigue did play a factor but um a good fight and Chelly is you know another guy that has lots and lots of potential I still want to see him in some big fights down the line uh that's Chelly that's Edwards that's Spellman who else we got on this bill Harvey Horn moved to seven and oh a points win over eight rounds against Elvis Gwillen the journeyman uh, Umar Sadiq picked up a TKO in the second round against Kieran Thomas, who had never actually won a fight. He was 0-3, now 0-4 with one draw. Umar Sadiq 7-1, like I say. Uh, Sadiq had Luke Blackledge pull out the fight with about a day's notice, something like that. So in stepped poor Kieran Thomas. Uh, also on the card, I've missed here that Brad Foster took on Lucian Reed. It ended up being a majority draw after 12 rounds. A lot of people I felt thought that Lucian Reed probably nicked it. It was a close fight. I mean, Foster got cut above his left eye in the second round. Reed got cut above his left eye in the fifth round. Um, it was a good fight, though. Again, this card, this card was was a brilliant card for York Hall, to be honest. Um, but yeah, we we hopefully will get a rematch between those two. That was for the Commonwealth and British Super Bantamweight titles. Uh, moving out now to the Dignity Health Sports Park in Carson, California, USA. This one was a Golden Boy show. We had topping the bill Jaime Mungia. Now 34-0, it was a knockout in the fourth round against Patrick Alatai. I did say it on last week's show, he really brought his own definition of padded records along. Um, you know, he'd fought a whole list of nobodies, really. And I don't like to be too critical, but he's now 40-4. Um, it was a defense, obviously, of Mungia's WBO World Super Welterweight title. Alatai was down twice in the third round, and he was down in the fourth as well. His corner actually stopped it. So, like I say, fourth round. KO. Uh, also on that undercard, I should mention the undefeated prospect. I think he's he's a super middleweight, but he's he's he's. I think he's a super middle. He might even be a middleweight. He is huge for the weight. I can't remember what he is. He's something like six foot six foot five or something like that. He's five and oh. Well, he's actually now six and oh. It was a knockout in the third round against Terry Fernandez, who was undefeated three and oh himself. Uh, Diego Pacheco, though, is the guy to keep an eye on now, 6-0. He he fought about a month ago. I think it was on that 
might have even been less than a month ago. I think he fought on that Matra Mexico show, and you know he's he's fought another guy here, another undefeated fighter. So credit to him, Diego Pacheco, a man we'll try and get on the show at some point in the near future. Uh, moving out now though to the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada, USA. We're going to go through the prediction results at the end of the review part of the show. I as you actually managed to get the most picks right. Uh, you got one, and all of us got nothing, me and the listeners, so credit to you. But the fights themselves, let's start with the main event. Tyson Fury, 28-0 with one draw, now 29-0. and um, It wasn't easy. It was against Otto Wallin. We expected it to probably go in the second half of the fight. As I think we said the knockout, if it was going to come, was probably going to come late. I tell you what, he tried to go for it as soon as that cut opened up, but Wallin was a tough guy. Um, you know, he lost the fight. He lost pretty much every round. But, um, you know, he showed, again, he's a tough guy. That's why him with the likes of Tom Schwartz, there's a few guys that are kind of, I want to say, fringe world level, perhaps. Maybe maybe that's a bit too far. Maybe just like European level. Somewhere around that kind of level. Anyway, they're in a bit of a mix of levels. Um, they could all fight each other. And none of them are terrible fighters, to be honest. But Wallin was a tough guy. Tell me about the fight. I mean, it's a, I mean, it was a very tough fight for Tyson Fury, obviously, with the two uh, with the cuts obviously above his head. He needed he needed rounds, obviously, to see how he see how see how he can go. Obviously, um, with this fight against Wallen, obviously he done very good, and obviously he's taken him to a twelve rounds. The thing is, got Deontay Wilder next. So how much energy has that taken out of that fight, and how long is that? The thing is, how um, how long is that injury going to last? Uh, how long is that cut going to be? But I mean, it's it's gained um, Fury got more 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 experience, and he needed more rounds. So I think it's done him actually. It's actually done him quite good. We shall wait and see. Uh, the the first round, I mean, it was a feel-out round, really. Fury came out. He had a look at Wally, and Wally did come close with a left hand of his own at one point. Tyson's jab won him the round, you'd feel. Um, I like the way Tyson faints a lot. A lot of big guys don't like to faint, and he faints a hell of a lot of the time, you know, this... Uh, it's brilliant to see all the feints from a big guy like that. So athletic for his for his size. Uh, the second round, again, Wallin gave it a right go. Wallin had Fury on the ropes momentarily. He was letting his hands go. Nothing seemed to phase Fury at that point. Uh, it was probably another Fury round. He just fiddled his way to win it. He just nicked it. But still, nothing at that point had been you know, landed by Fury of any note. In the third round, that was where we saw the cut. It was a bad cut. Um, and... You know, it was a it was a good round other than that cut, and it started to get a bit scary because, um, you know, the, the doctor came in soon after. Uh, the fourth round, Fury seemed a bit shaken up after the cut. He came out with a sense of urgency. He took a couple of risks. Again, he didn't really land anything of note, just jabs, really. It was hard to give Wallin the round, though, and, um, you know, very scary times for Tyson with the cut being ruled a punch. That was when we found out on the commentary that it had actually been ruled a punch, not a headbutt, because it was hard to see. They never really showed an actual replay of the cut opening up. So we were hoping it was going to be a headbutt, because for, obviously for those that may not know, if, if a cut opens by a punch, then if you can't carry on, you lose by knockout. If it's by a headbutt, which is obviously an illegal blow, then um, you know it will go to the scorecards at the time, and Tyson Fury would have been winning, and there would have been no need to worry about it. In that fifth round, we saw better work from Fury. He found some lovely uppercuts during that round. Wallin constantly was putting the pressure on. He was making Fury work hard, but Wallin was ultimately coming forward, but not really landing much himself. The sixth round, 
was actually the round where the referee got the doctor to have a look at Fury's cut. And for a moment, my heart did drop. I've got to admit it. You know, it would have been horrible to see a fight where Fury's winning pretty much everything, uh, you know, go all out the window because of a cut. But these things do happen in boxing. Vitaly Klitschko, Lennox Lewis reminds reminds me of that. Um, you know, Wallin kept trying to open the cut. He was trying to slap it on the inside, on the blind side of the referee. Uh, again, after Fury got inspected by the doctor, that was when he decided to just go looking for Wallin. And he seemed visibly scared about it being stopped, you know, after all the hard work he put in at that point. Seventh round, that's where Fury came out with purpose again. He was trying to lean on Wallin. He was fighting with desperation. He landed some lovely shots. It was definitely the most aggressive round from Fury. He was doing all he could to quickly get things under his control, um, even more so. In the eighth round, more good work from Tyson. He started to sink the shots in. He was taking gambles by trying to rough Wallin up because... You know, it gave Wallin chances to damage that eye a bit further, but he just wanted to end the fight as quick as he could, Fury. Uh, the ninth round was a massive round for Fury. He hurt Wallin multiple times. Wallin looked exhausted. Fury was still fighting with desperation. He was still taking big risks. He was still making mistakes, but ultimately he was wearing Wallin down. It was masterful with a side of urgency, I suppose. Uh, the tenth round, again, Fury hurt Wallin early on. It was lovely to see, uh, you know, his boxing skills, his unbelievable heart as well. Tyson Fury. But again, Wallin also showed balls. I couldn't believe that he'd even got through that 10th round because he showed an amazing chin, Wallin. He's got a chin like a paving slab. In the 11th round, Wallin started the round with a little burst of energy. But as it went on, yet again, Fury was very close to dropping him or stopping him towards the end of the uh, of the of the round you know the bell went at a great time for Wallin um Fury was sinking in some brilliant uppercuts and like I say Wallin was just so tough full of Swedish pride and I couldn't believe um, at that point I couldn't believe to myself I was thinking can he make it through the 12th round I don't think he can and then actually he came out in that 12th round and I give him huge credit Wallin because he actually won the round pretty clearly I mean there was a few scary moments I'd even say in the 12th round for Fury you know he got caught a bunch of times and both men certainly earned that money in my opinion uh, just quickly on the cut man because it was weird Barry Jones on the commentary and David Hay were criticizing the cut man now that cut man was only brought in because his normal cut man, Asgi, um, friend of mine, very, very nice guy, he couldn't get over to America. There was some kind of Esther issue and he couldn't come over. So they basically had to find a cut man with about two days notice or something like that. So um, they got this guy and he, he gets pulled in. I don't know how experienced he was. I've never seen him before. And Barry Jones and David Hay were criticizing him because he was just wiping away the blood and then putting... Vaseline on it, you know, and um, they were they were saying what he should have been doing and stuff like that. But then other people like Bob Arum, like everyone in the studio, I think John Fury, um, uh, who else was in the studio, um, Enzo Macronelli, and Richie Woodall, they were all praising him. So it was kind of weird to hear the commentary team saying one thing and the total opposite thing coming from the studio coming from Bob Arum and and uh, and 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 Frank Warren I think Bob Arum even said you should pay him double um I didn't think the cut man did a great job to be honest with you I really didn't so that was my view but maybe I'm wrong I, I didn't think he did that well to, to stem the blood you know I know that there was a second cut as you mentioned I as um, also, credit to John Fury. I think he was a bit too honest, actually. But I like the way he says what's on his mind. He doesn't hold back John Fury. He said that a bunch of guys would have beaten my son tonight, and that's the worst he's ever looked. Um, yeah, I mean, still, 
even though he wasn't impressive and you know he had to get through some 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 storms really in that fight let's be honest um you know he got through it and just because he didn't perform outstanding, he didn't get the stoppage early on like a lot of people thought he would. He didn't even get the stoppage at all. For me, it doesn't mean he's not the best the best heavyweight in the world. I just think he probably underestimated the guy. And as soon as the cut came, they had to just throw every every boxing game plan out the window and just kind of go for it, really. You know, the, the fear that the fight might get stopped on the cut. Um, yeah, anyways... Moving down the undercard, Emmanuel Navarrete picked up another win. He was in the ring four weeks earlier, and he was in the ring here once again. A fourth round TKO against Juan Miguel Elorde, who's now 28 and 2. Uh, Navarrete 29 and 1. It was a defense, like I said, of his WBO World Super Bantamweight title. Also on that bill, we got to see Jose Pedraza against Jose Zapida. It was for the vacant WBC United States Super Lightweight title. Um, I. I massively favoured Jose Pedraza, but I couldn't believe it. Jose Zapita managed to win, and win quite wide, to be honest. All three scorecards exactly the same, 97-93 in favour of Zapita. I mean, his only two losses, one came to Ramirez, one came to Terry Flanagan, that was obviously stopped prematurely when he dislocated his shoulder. So he's a guy that hasn't really fulfilled his potential, you'd say. You know, he's he's a bit of an underachiever because he got himself into these positions. It wasn't his fault against Flanagan what happened. He boxed Ramirez. He gave him a tough fight, but Ramirez is one of the elite fighters at 140. And obviously, Pedraza, I think this is his first or second fight moving up. So, yeah, a, a, tough, a tough kind of... Um, lesson I suppose he learnt but Zapida very good fighter he now becomes a massive lifetime member you'd say probably of the who needs him club also on the undercard Isaac Lowe managed to carve out a unanimous decision win over eight rounds against Ruben uh, Ruben Garcia Hernandez uh, again Hernandez is a guy that's mixed it with some top fighters so that was a big win there for Isaac Lowe it wasn't easy for him as well he was he was probably giving away the first couple rounds 25 and 5 now with two draws Hernandez Isaac Lowe still undefeated 19 and 0 with three draws Carlos Quadras was also on the bill he got win number 39 he's got three losses and a draw it was a majority decision win against Jose Maria Cardenas I can't believe that I hadn't even heard of Cardenas he's now 17 and 5 so he's a, his record doesn't look too great Adelaide Bird she was back she she scored the fight a draw that's the reason it was a majority decision the other two judges had it to uh, to Quadras by two points each. And also on the bill, Felix Valera took on Vacheslav Shabransky. They didn't show it on the on the, uh, the the BT Sport card, so I missed this one. So if anyone did see it, please let us know what happened and who was winning the fight because it ended um, in the eighth and final round because Felix Valera was disqualified after several low blows, apparently. So I want to know who was winning the fight at that point, because if they decided to disqualify him in the final round and he was winning the fight by a landslide, then that that smells a bit fishy to me. But Valera, now 18-3, and three, Vacheslav Shabransky, 21-2. and two. Um, Moving out now to the final two bills. This one happened at the Resort World Catskills Casino in New York, USA. One fight to mention over here. Carlos Takam. I said it. He was going to probably completely slaughter 
the the uh, the heavyweight Craig Lewis, who was fourteen and three with one draw going in. I'd never heard of Lewis, but I looked at his record; nothing impressive on there. The only thing I said though is that he's never been stopped, and he wasn't stopped here. It ended up going the ten rounds. One card actually had it really close, ninety six ninety four to Takam, but the other two cards had it nine rounds to one in favor of Takam. So a, a wide win, you'd probably think, apart from one one judge having it pretty close. Perhaps Adelaide Bird was was at two places at. Uh, at one time on Saturday night there. And the final bill happened at the Sands Bethlehem Event Center in Pennsylvania, USA. Friend of the show, Michael Fox, now 21-1. and one. It was a unanimous decision over 10 rounds against Yudi Bernardo, 100-90. So Michael Fox absolutely won everything against Yudi Bernardo, who's now 25-5. and five. Bernardo's been knocked out by a couple decent guys. He's, he's lost a couple fights close on points, and... Um, you know, this is the first time he's he's lost a complete shutout over 10 rounds. So credit there to Michael Fox. Again, a guy that really inspires me. And I'm not even a boxer, but he should inspire many boxers. He had a amateur record of 40 wins and 60 losses. And he's completely turned into a different man since he's turned pro. So shout out to you, my friend. But that is everything for the review part of the show. Um, we're going to just quickly do the, the prediction from, from or the prediction results from last week. Um, we all went with Fury to win by knockout. That didn't happen. We all went with Chelly on points. That didn't happen. Uh, we all went with Pedraza on points. That didn't happen. I went with Hunter by knockout. So did the listeners. But I as correctly predicted a Michael Hunter points win. So one point gained just for you, I as. So well done to you there. Here's a little clap from me. But that's about everything for the review part of the show. Just before we wrap up part one, the final thing to do is to welcome our very first guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former IBF featherweight world champion. It is, of course, Mr. Lee Selby. Lee, welcome back on the show, my man. Nice one, mate. Thanks, thanks for having me it's on. Always a pleasure having you on, Lee. It truly is. So we last spoke back in January. Uh, it was just a few weeks before yeah. the Omar Douglas fight. Obviously, that was your first fight yeah. since moving up two weight classes to lightweight. How did you assess your performance, though, on that night back in February? Now? Um, to be honest, I didn't think it was a great performance. Um, Mainly due to the due to the fact that I was cut early on in the second round and again later on in the fight, both with hair clashes and just the, the blood running on my face. It was, a, it was a real struggle. The blood into my eyes, I couldn't see. It made it a, a difficult task. Yeah, yeah. And I want to ask you this also, Lee, because I haven't really seen you say anything on the subject. Your name was being mentioned alongside a certain Adrian Broner for a while. Was that just a rumour or, or yeah. was that ever seriously discussed? No, no. Yeah, there, there was something behind it. I, I agreed to the fight. It was a fight Al Heyman offered us. I agreed to it. But um, for some reason, it didn't, it, it didn't come off. Okay. But I, I had... Um, I thought it would come off because I was following the social media, seeing them out on the nightclubs and partying and stuff. As the date, as the fight date was getting a bit closer, and um, I, I, I could see if you weren't going to be able to shape the fight, so, so it just fell through. Oh, that's a shame. But yeah, anyway, on to the next one. You know, your next fight will be against the former freeweight world yeah. champion Ricky Burns, October 26th, part of the Pro Grey Taylor undercard. Um, Wales versus Scotland here, yeah. Lee, but obviously there's a lot of respect between you both as athletes. That's it. There's, there's plenty of like, mutual respect between Ricky Burns and I. You know, I, I spent a week up in Scotland sparring with him ahead of his Terence Crawford fight. And I learned not only is, it, is he a great fighter he's a great guy outside the ring too 
Yeah, not often do you have to give height and reach advantages away, but according to the stats, Ricky will benefit from the height and reach advantage in this fight. Uh, does that mean that you'll have to make some adjustments to your usual style, Lee? Um, I don't know what, where, that's, where you got those stats, stats from, but if, you, if you've seen the press conference recently, when we were stood together, I, I looked a bigger man all around. Yeah, it's weird because he's listed as five foot ten, but I've met him myself, and I don't think he's five foot ten. You know, it's uh, yeah. Well, I, I was the bigger man. Yeah. When we met, and I'd inspire him. <laughs> um, what should we expect to see from you in that fight, Lee? Because, like I say, you're coming off that Douglas win, a fight that you you admit wasn't the yeah. most comfortable win. Uh, this is a completely different fighter, and there's a lot of there's a lot of stake I feel in in this fight between you both. Well, there's a lot of stake. Yeah, you know, Ricky and I we're like in the in the latest. Yeah, the latest stages of our football careers, and like neither of us can afford to lose. It's like if, if, if whoever do lose, it's going to be a struggle to go the way back. So there's a lot at stake, and I, I think you, you should see a great, great performance from both of us. See, I'm kind of surprised to hear you say that, though, Lee, because you're you're not really like past your sell-by date kind of thing. Whereas a lot of people would probably oh, say no. Ricky Burns, you know, he's a, a bit a little bit longer in the tooth than yourself, you know. Yeah, he's a few years old. I think he's 36. I'm only 32. But what I'm saying is, if I do get beat by a 36 year old, it's going to be a struggle for me to come back. Yeah. If he gets beat, it's going to be a struggle for him to work his way back up. Yeah, yeah, I agree, I agree, I agree. And of course, you're world-ranked with the WBC, the IBF, the WBO at lightweight. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's such a tough division, though, right now. Obviously, Lomachenko's got three of the four big belts, and uh, Richard Comey's got yeah. the IBF. Where can you kind of see yourself slotting in? Because, obviously, you want to become world champion again. Yeah. Well, if I, if I beat Ricky Burns, I'm, I'm highly ranked in the IBF. Well, I'm next in line for a final eliminator. So if I beat Ricky Burns, I'm going to box in the final eliminator for the IBF title, and then hopefully fight for the, for, for the world title. And in, in the meantime, whilst I'm trying to work my way up, which is going to be defended against um, Teofimo Lopez. Teofimo Lopez. And then I, I, what I've what heard, the winner is going to fight Lomachenko. And if Lomachenko has all the belts, it's a struggle for any, any fighter to keep, keep hold of him, like with the, with the mandatories coming up and stuff. So I, I can see him like up to relinquish one, if not all of them, and, and move in a different way. So that could free up the belts and they give me a, a better chance to win. And who do you reckon wins that one, uh, Lee, with with Comey and Tiafimo Lopez? Have you seen them for both guys? I think um, I haven't really seen a lot of Lopez, but I I I think Comey. Yeah, he's a big, big, strong guy with it. He's experienced. With, um, Lopez isn't. And I know that featherweight is obviously a thing of the past for you now, but we're seeing uh, yeah. we're seeing Shakur Stevenson fight for Oscar Valdez, his old belt that he's just vacated. If yeah. if Stevenson were to win against the the other guy, I can't remember who he's fighting now. Joet Gonzalez, I think it is. If he were to win that, yeah. and then yeah. he, and then he chased a unification with Josh Warrington, your old foe. How do you see that one yeah. playing out, Stevenson Warrington? Uh, yeah, Stevenson winning. Yeah, I think he he cleaned up the the um, favorite division. I think he's young, he's fresh, he's, he's got um, good amateur experience, super all round fighter. And your brother Andrew, he got a win on the weekend out in Dubai. Um, I'm guessing you didn't make the trip. Yeah. I didn't see the fight. How did he look? If you know, 
I, I didn't make it to Jamova, but I watched the fight. It was like streamed on YouTube. He, he looked very, very, very good. Um, the opponent wasn't great, but he, he did look very good. Uh, he's back out shortly. I think he might have two, two fights scheduled. Okay, when is he next out, Luke? Can you tell us? I, I'm not too sure, but I think it's going to be pretty soon. Okay, okay. Yeah, good stuff. That's what we want to see. And uh, the, the final real question for you, Lee. I like to ask this to everyone. Uh, Joshua versus Ortiz. Obviously, the rematch, December seventh. How does it go for yeah. you? I pick um, Joshua by an early KO. But if he doesn't get him out early, I, I could see. Um, yeah, I could see him being the even after, after the early round. So it could be any, anyone's. But I'd like to see Joshua do, do him early, catch him early. Very intriguing that fight once again, and uh, just finally, Lee, any closing words for our listeners before we let you go, my friend? Um, just just keep keep following me, and I'm I'm gonna try my best to to bring another another world title back to, back to the UK and back home to Wales. Absolutely. Listen, Lee, it is always a pleasure catching up with you, my friend. Best of luck thank for you. October 26th, and we'll catch up sometime after. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay. Now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. I as what you got. Yes, um, Shaco Stevenson will face Joat Gonzalez for the WBA featherweight title on on October the 26th. Yeah, friend of the show, Shakur Stevenson. Obviously, Oscar Valdez decided to vacate his WBO world title and move up in weight. So um, that's on the line there for Shakur Stevenson. Joet Gonzalez, a undefeated fighter. We'll look into it a bit more when the fight's closer. But um, very good chance there for Shakur Stevenson to win a world title. And we're, we're supporting him in that one as he's a friend of the show. So looking forward to it. Yes, um, Miguel Boschat will, will face Jason Sosa. For the WBC Super Favorite title on November the 2nd. Yeah, this is a second of of three world title announcements from top rank. Um, yeah, Bichelle against Jason Sosa. I mean, Bichelle, it's weird because Jamel Herring wanted to unify with Bichelle, but for whatever reason, he seemed like he didn't fancy it. And he takes on Jason Sosa, former, uh, former world champion at Super Featherweight before. So, um yeah, I mean, Jason Sosa's a good fighter. He's kind of been missing a little bit since he lost to Lomachenko, but it's a good fight. It's a decent fight. I like Sosa. He's a friend of the show. I hope he wins. Yep, Jamel Herring, uh, Jamel Herring who will face Lamont Roach Jr. for the WBO Super Bowl featherweight title on November the 9th. Yeah, just mentioned him there, Jamel Herring. He gets his fight. It's a mandatory defense there against another undefeated fighter, so that's going to be good. Lamont Roach Jr., I think he was quite a good amateur. Um, yeah, looking forward to that one. It's a fight that we knew was going to happen. I think it's a shame, really, that Jamel didn't get his unification because they're announcing, uh, you know, two fights at the same time here. Bashel, they're announcing the fights just weeks apart, so I don't know why it couldn't happen, but it is what it is. He's fighting Sosa. Jamel gets Lamont Rose Jr. Should be a good fight. So there's three good fights there from top rank. I'm looking forward to all of them. And of course, we're going to be back in Jamel Herring. Great guy. Yep, and finally, Matchroom Boxing have announced a show on November the 2nd at Manchester Arena featuring Katie Taylor, Anthony Collar, Joshua Buatzi, and many, many more fighters. Yeah, um, Katie Taylor, I think, makes a move up to 140 for this fight here. Josh Buatzi, obviously, on the bill as well, and Anthony Crawler. Um, there's rumours about who he's going to fight. I think some people are talking about Tommy Coyle. Um, so, yeah. Tommy Coyle, that would be a good fight. Um, 
you know, it's, it's a bit of a farewell fight, really, for Anthony Crawler. Um, you can't dislike Anthony Crawler. I mean, they need to make a movie about his life one day. Um, but yeah, thanks for the news there, Ayaz. I know you're battling a bit of an illness there, so we're going to dive straight through this preview part pretty quickly here. This one happens later today at the Tuscany Hall in Florence, Tuscana, um, Italy. Obviously, a match from Italy show. Over here, we've got Devis Boschiero, 47-6 and six with two draws. He takes on the undefeated Ivan Thomas, 9-0 and with one draw. That is for the vacant IBF International Super Featherweight title. I know Luigi is going to be mad at me for this one. But Devis Boschiero has got one of the officially worst padded records in boxing. So, I'm sorry, but it's true. He He's fighting. He's got 47 wins. Look at those guys. Tell me how many wins you recognize there. They're pretty bad. Uh, also on the bill, Orlando Fiordigiglio. I've, I could be saying that wrong. Probably am. I apologize. 31-2 and two is for the IBF International Super Welterweight title. He takes on our very own friend of the show, Sam Eggington, 26-6. and six. Sam Eggington, I think, really, he's at the end of his career. I think he's... I don't want to be that harsh on him, but I think he's turning a little bit into a... Uh, I was going to say a welterweight Dave Allen, but a super welterweight Dave Allen. Um, if he's got anything left in the tank, he probably will beat Fior Digidlio because, again, he's a little bit padded. Uh, also on the undercard, we've got Carmine Tomasone. That's obviously a former opponent of Oscar Valdez. He hasn't got an opponent just yet. God, it's not that long to go. 19-1. and one. Uh, Jordan Gill, 23-1. and one. He gets out on the undercard there under the radar. Um, and also on the bill, Dario Morello, 15-0. and 0. He's in a 10-rounder against Lufa Clay, Al Siesta's man. Obviously, friend of the show, Al Siesta. He's been talking about Lufa Clay for a long, long time. I think he even told me that he would give Josh Kelly nightmares. So he should win that one um, against Dario Morello, 15-0. and 0. Um Moving out now to the sport hall in Dorf Mecklenburg, we have over here Prince Patel. He's in a tough fight though, twenty and one with one draw. Prince Patel. He's in a twelve rounder against Luis Melendez, who's forty seven and twelve with one draw. Don't worry, don't worry. He is padded, Melendez, but he's still got forty seven wins. I mean, Prince Patel's padded. Let's be honest, but this guy um, has actually beaten quite a few decent-ish opponents, you know, he's he's beaten, he's got better wins than, than Prince Patel's got, so that is a, is a, is a tough fight, um, hopefully I can get a stream of that, because I'll be interested to watch that one, uh, moving out now to Mexico, the Auditorio del Estado in Mexicali, Baja California, we've got Joseph Jojo Diaz, 29-1, and one, still trying to fight Tevin Farmer, apparently, but he's taking on Jesus Cuadro here, who's who's uh, 18 and 5, that's over 12 rounds, and the final couple of cars to mention, this one takes place at the Rubber Bank Theatre in California, USA, friend of the show Peter Quillin, Kid Chocolate, 34 and 1 with one draw, former world champion, he steps in against former world champion Alfredo Angulo, 25 and 7, that's a 10 rounder, you'd expect Quillin to win that. And win it well, really. Still only got that one loss to Daniel Jacobs, despite being quite inactive over recent years. Also on that card, Thomas Delorme, 24-3 and with one draw, takes on the undefeated Terrell Williams, 18-0. and That could be a brilliant fight. That's probably, arguably anyway, fight of the weekend there. 
And the final bill, it takes place this Sunday at the Woodhouse Park Lifestyle Centre in Withenshaw, Manchester, Lancashire, United Kingdom. We have on this bill, former world champion Paul Butler, 29-2. and two. And finally, Marcus Morrison, 21-3, and three, obviously coming off that brilliant win in Italy on the last match from Italy show. He takes on Edwin Palacios, who's 12-10 and 10 with one draw. That's a six-rounder there. So all the best there to Marcus Morrison, a guy that looked like really his, his career was coming to a premature end, but he's coming off a great win, and he takes on, uh, you know, an easier kind of fight, a drop-down in levels. But he needs to be on his A game because he lost to... Um, a real drop down in level, a guy that had a much worse record than this. So could still be interesting. You never know what you're going to get with Marcus Morrison. Uh, but that is everything, though, for the preview part of the show. We brought you part one with the review in. We brought you the news. We brought you the first guest. It's now time to welcome our second and final guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the WBC number six rated flyweight in the world. It is, of course, Mr. Andrew Selby. Andrew, welcome back on the show. Yeah, uh, pleasure to be back on. It's always a pleasure having you. Yeah, you're back, you're back. Now, um, I honestly had no idea that we'd we'd be getting both Selby brothers on this week. Uh, earlier on in the show, we spoke to your brother, Lee. Uh, so how are you, Andrew? We haven't spoke for a little while. Yeah, I'm good. Um, just got back to um, Dubai. Obviously, I won, won my fight in the first round. And now I'm ready to go again uh, week Saturday. Oh, excellent. All right, we'll get on to that in a sec. Um, we last spoke back in March. It was it was just obviously before the 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 Aguilar fight. Obviously, the winner of that fight would become next in line to to fight Charlie Edwards for the WBC world title. But back to the actual fight. I mean, you got stopped there in the fifth round. But a lot of people didn't watch the fight all the way through. I feel a lot of people didn't see that you had won everything up until that point. Just talk us through the fight if you can, Andrew. Just in a couple words. Uh, I got one word out to you. But, um, I, yeah, I thought I was winning the fight every round. I think we do one, one round, I think. I can't remember. And um, I got back from the first to the first round, and I said to my trainer, I said, look, altitude is real. I didn't believe in it before. And it just felt like my lungs were being crushed in the vice. I couldn't breathe at all. Now, money hit me with the body shot. I just took all the wind down there. Yeah, absolutely. It was it was such a such an upset loss, you know, because um like I say, you were bossing everything and then that one shot uh just, just ended it all and like I say to the body, um we've never seen you hurt from a body shot before. It obviously must have been yeah. a, a brilliant shot and it was to be fair, he placed it excellently. Um Obviously, you mentioned there you're fresh off your comeback window in Dubai on Friday, a first-round knockout. Obviously, uh, you can't really analyse a first-round knockout too much, but how did it feel, you know, to be out there in Dubai even, you know, having a fight out there somewhere, somewhere like that? Oh, it was wicked. Uh, at first, I thought, oh, is it going to be out to and stuff? So I didn't have a clue, but it was extremely hot out there. But in the arena, I was doing a, I, I kind of long warm-up because a guy was... I was meant to be on like a certain time and a guy jumped in before me so I had to wait another eight rounds. So I had an extra warm up and I weren't even I weren't even breathing. So and I always wanted to go to Dubai so it was a lovely place to go and show off my my skills, but obviously if I ended straight away. I felt really strong, my power. I didn't know I I'd be this strong, you know what I mean? So my power's coming on. And I'd be up there. 
wherever I fight, I'm going to be here and going to be shot. And I know that for a fact. Now, when we spoke to Lee earlier on, he did let it slip that you'll be boxing again pretty soon. Um, you know, MTK obviously let uh, looking to keep you looking to keep you active. You said that there's there's a date. When is the date? Just to confirm, Andrew, if you can tell us. Um, it's a week Saturday, so I think that's the twenty eighth. Is it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Okay, excellent, excellent. Yeah. And where is that? Do you know? That's in Newcastle. I'm fighting. The guy from Tanzania, but he's a really tough opponent. He's fought for the world title, I think, three times. Wow. He's boxed Kez uh, Ashback. He's on Team Jeans. He's boxed Paul Butler. Paul Butler struggled with him. Kez beat him every round, but none of them stopped him. He's a really tough, awkward opponent, so MTK's got me in to get, to get me the full eight rounds, but we see the last eight rounds. Excellent. All right, cool. We'll look forward to that. Um, I, I want to ask you, obviously, about this bizarre Charlie Edwards and uh, Aguilar fight, or Martinez, I believe I believe they call him. What, yeah, what did yeah. you make of it? You must have seen it. I thought Charlie Edwards got scored. I thought he lost every round. Um, just to clear one thing up, he said before the fight, he ain't no Andrew Selby. And I just want to say back, I know he ain't no Andrew Selby because he got beat up for three rounds. And I won every round, and I lasted five rounds. So, yeah. He was, uh, he just said, I'd have the answer for Charlie. And I think before the fight, Charlie took his opponent too lightly, thought he was going to beat him up. But uh, I'm glad this going to be a rematch. Um, Charlie could beat him if he was dead and boxed him, so... Yeah, it was a weird one because he he seemed like he just didn't manage to, you know, judge the distance as good as we've seen him previously do. It seemed like he couldn't really get away from, you know, Martinez who was just coming forward and, you know, hurting him really with every shot. I think you're you're pretty right in what you're saying. Um, What would you advise Charlie to do? Because a lot of people, even Sonny Edwards, his brother, has come out and said we were lucky for 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 what you know for what occurred to actually occur because he's still champion and he was going to probably lose. That's what he's come out and said. So credit to him. But what should he do now? Because he's been given another chance. Should he just vacate and move up, or should he have that rematch? What would you advise him? I don't know. It's up to him. I, I, I take the rematch. And uh, if he wants to lose, lose like a real champion. But if he's struggling that bad, move out of the way. So the option is It's all in his hands, isn't it? So, but I, I've never vacated that. I, I, I've got the British title. I've had the British title for three years. And no one's wanted to fight me. There's no way I'm going to vacate it. Do you know what I was going to ask you about that? I didn't even, I didn't, I didn't even think you still held that belt because it's been so long. No one wants, no one wants that fight for that British. It seems. <laughs> no, but looks uh, like I won't be defending it. But if what well, I meant to defend it against uh, Jay Harris, and he pulled out twice, I think. And I'm open to get that in November. But you got to get past Paddy Bryan soon. So, I mean, boxing, boxing is about making money, so I'll keep that up to defend it and get the money in. <laughs> and talking of that fight, Jay Harris, Paddy Barnes, who who do you believe wins that one? You know what? I've never seen Jay Harris fight. So, I've seen Paddy Barnes as a professional against his island, so I couldn't really 
And like I said, we spoke earlier on to your brother about his upcoming fight next month against Ricky Burns. How do you see that one playing out, Andrew? Because obviously there's a lot on the line, even if there's no actual belt on the line, there's a lot on the line for both guys, really, in terms of what they'll do next after that. Yeah, um, well, I think this fight's made, it's going to be a perfect matcher. My brother, I think, obviously I'll get a sticker for him, he can have box burns all day. As Burns still got it like he used to be. Burns was a tough opponent. I haven't seen him box for a, for a while, so. But, um, it's make a break for them both, I think. And the last two questions I've got for you, Andrew. Sonny Edwards is obviously also with MTK. Is that a fight that interests you, or are your paths not really crossing at the moment? Because Sonny's still sort of coming up. Is it not really the right time for that one? Well, my main aim is to get the world title shot. Um, me, me and Sonny, if we box, would be the most boring game of chess we'd ever see, I think. Well, um, if one of us had the world title, none of us are going to say no. So we're both we're both trying to aim for the top, I think. So there's no reason for us to fight yet unless there's big money or belt on the line. Okay. And finally, uh, I'd like to ask this to everyone at the minute. Joshua versus Ruiz. Obviously, I'm sure you saw how the first fight went. The rematch is on for December. Um, how do you see the rematch playing out? I asked your brother the same question. I think he said that he fancies either Joshua early on, or if it doesn't happen early on, if, if the fight, I think, goes into the second half, it becomes anyone's fight. Um, but how do you see it yourself? Yeah, well, he took the work out of my mouth. I think Joshua will win three rounds, maybe four rounds. If not, Ruiz uh, come on top. Okay. So it's lost, lost a lot of weight for this, so he could, he could bring out a pitch perfect performance. We hope so. We hope so. We want to see those belts back in Britain. And finally, Andrew, just before I let you go, my friend, any closing words to our listeners at all? Uh, well, I'm just grateful for my supporters. Uh, thank you to my coach, Daniel. He's got me back on top form. I'm in the best shape of my life. Uh, what can I say? I'm back. Watch out, flyweight. Watch out, flyweights. Listen, Andrew, it is always great speaking with you, my friend. Best of luck for the 28th, yeah. and we'll definitely speak sometime after. Yeah, thank you. Uh, just for me the day after. Uh, Okay, and this wraps up episode 205 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. I as Sumra has been I as Sumra. A massive thank you to our two guests on this week's show, the former IBF featherweight world champion, Lee Selby, and of course his brother, the formidable flyweight, Andrew Selby. The prediction league currently stands at myself in the lead on 15 points. Iaz is in second place with 10 points, and you, the listeners, are third with 8 points. I do want to apologize for the echoing during the Andrew Selby interview. Interview. I hope it was still listenable, but I'm sorry regardless. It was a minor technical issue. Uh, thank you all for listening to this week's show. Enjoy your weekends, people. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend, and we shall see you all again next week. <laughs>